The Supreme Court has weighed in on a major internet liability case. Mephepristone, the major abortion pill, could be facing more restrictions, information on these stories, and much, much more coming up on this morning's episode of BBP News. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode. It is Monday, May 22nd, of course, 2023, and we are back with another news episode. Yes, we did miss out on Friday, and again, we do apologize for that, but we are back with some news here to start out the week on this Monday morning. We're happy you're here. Glad to have you on this beautiful Monday morning, and I do mean beautiful, and you'll see what I mean here as we jump into the weather. So let's get right into it. In Los Angeles, California, expect mostly clear skies today with a high of 76 degrees. In Houston, Texas, also mostly clear skies today with a high of 88 degrees. In Chicago, partly cloudy today with a high of 76. And finally, in New York City, again, mostly clear skies with a high of 75 degrees. So in these major areas, it's going to be beautiful. And the thing is, It is like that for the entire week in all four locations. I was looking at it, uh, the trajectory for the weather this week, and just mostly clear, mostly clear, partly cloudy, mostly clear. Like, that's all it was the entire week from Monday to Friday. And you know what? I can't say I have too many complaints about that. I love when it gets nice like this. Hoping to get outside a little bit this week as well. Hopefully get some uh, soccer practice in. We'll see how it goes. But either way, I'm loving it. I'm So happy to be back here with you guys for another news episode. We do have plenty of things to talk about today, so let's not mess around. Let's jump right into it. And starting out, if you guys remember a little ways back, we told you about a case headed to the Supreme Court that could change the course of the internet and the way that we all use it. Well, the justices ruled on that case and another related one last week. Bottom line, the justices ruled unanimously that we are not changing the internet, at least not yet, and we'll get to that here in just a moment, what I mean by that. But first, last week, the Supreme Court issued its rulings in two huge cases against internet platforms, Google, Twitter, and Facebook. These cases were Gonzalez v. Google and Twitter v. Tomne. The families in both of these cases were suing to hold these platforms liable for the deaths of their loved ones because they say the companies allowed content on their platforms that aided and abetted terrorists and even contributed to the radicalization of others. The justices said that the families of these victims had not successfully proven that the internet companies fostered the attacks that killed their loved ones. And in that unanimous decision, the Supreme Court said that media platforms and their algorithms are, quote, no more culpable than the creation of email, cell phones, or the internet generally. Moreover, the algorithms have been presented as agnostic as to the nature of the content. So, why did I say that the internet isn't changing yet? Well, that's because in one of these cases, Gonzalez v. Google, the family was actually challenging the 26-word law that some say created the internet itself. This law allows all of us to post on the internet and experience it the way that we do because it says that online platforms cannot be held liable or sued, generally speaking anyway, 
over the things that all of us post on those platforms. That law is the 1996 Communications Decency Act, Section 230. Here's the thing, though. In last week's ruling, the Supreme Court refused to address Section 230 in their ruling over Gonzalez v. Google. They sidestepped it again as they have done before, and instead, they kicked the case back down to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals and essentially said, here, you guys take this case up again and use our other ruling in Twitter v. Tomney as your basis for whatever decision you come to. So we will see what happens there as the Ninth Circuit goes into that case. The highest amount of solemnity that I announce my intention to introduce articles of impeachment today on the head of this America at last executive branch that has been working since January 20th, 2021 to systematically destroy this country. The president of the United States, Joseph Robinette Biden. That is Georgia Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, who, yes, introduced articles of impeachment for President Biden. Why? Well, she says that he should be impeached for refusing to enforce immigration laws and generally refusing to maintain the operational control of the border. She says that President Biden is unfit to hold his office because he is a direct threat to our national security, and she says that this is just the first set of articles. So, are we going to see another impeachment of a president like we saw with President Trump twice when he was in office? The answer? Very unlikely. Even Congresswoman Green acknowledged that a Biden impeachment is a long shot because she doesn't even have the support of all House Republicans and certainly doesn't have the support of any Democrats. But that doesn't mean that we won't see anyone impeached, as Congresswoman Green did file articles of impeachment against the FBI director, the U.S. attorney for Washington, D.C., and Attorney General Merrick Garland, because she says they are all focused too much on those who participated in the January 6th attack on the Capitol on targeting conservatives and former President Trump. But the most likely candidate for impeachment could be Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. She introduced articles of impeachment against him because she says he deliberately flooded the U.S. with drugs and what she calls, quote, illegal aliens, and because of his involvement in stopping the border wall construction. If you are one of the 44 million Americans who has a federal student loan, you should start preparing yourself to make those loan payments once again. The Education Secretary confirmed again during a House committee hearing last week that there will be no more extensions to the student loan forbearance program that started under then-President Trump at the beginning of the pandemic in March of 2020. But when exactly will those student loan monthly payments begin again? Well, it depends on the Supreme Court. As we have been telling you since February, the court has been considering whether President Biden's plan to forgive $10,000 or $20,000 in federal student loans is constitutional. The Education Secretary says that regardless of which way the justices rule, federal student loan payments will resume 60 days after the Supreme Court issues its ruling or 60 days after June 30th, whichever comes first. That means that at the latest, you're looking at your payment 
payments starting again around the end of August. But it is more likely that the payments will restart earlier than that because the justices are expected to rule on this case sometime in June. If you're in that boat, now would be a good time to track down your federal student loan servicer and figure out your balance and see if you qualify for any of the federal student loan repayment programs. The president is also working on some new repayment programs that are not available yet that would allow, in some cases, $0 monthly payments. Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina has made it official last week he is running for president in 2024. Scott, the Senate's only black Republican senator, filed the paperwork with the Federal Election Commission, declaring his intention to seek his party's nomination in 2024. His candidacy will test whether a more optimistic vision of America's future can resonate with GOP voters who have elevated partisan brawlers in recent years. The deeply religious 57-year-old old former insurance broker has made his grandfather's work in the cotton fields of the deep south a bedrock of his political identity yet he does reject the notion that racism is a powerful force in society and he has cast his candidacy and rise from generational poverty as the realization of a dream only possible in america scott who last month formed an exploratory committee allowing him to raise and spend money while weighing a white house campaign has scheduled a formal announcement for today at charleston southern university a private baptist college and scott's alma mater in his hometown of North Charleston. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis also filed the paperwork on Friday, but has not set a date for an official announcement. However, it is speculated that the announcement will come sometime this week. A federal appeals court seemed prepared to limit access to a key abortion medication first approved more than two decades ago, expressing deep concern that the government followed the proper process when it loosened regulations to make the pill more readily available. A panel of three judges, all of whom have previously supported other types of abortion restrictions, peppered lawyers for the government as well as for the drug manufacturer, the drug in question being Mifepristone, with questions about why the Food and Drug Administration had allowed Mifepristone to be prescribed by a medical professional other than a doctor and sent directly to patients by mail. The judges also appeared to embrace the suggestion that restoring prior restrictions on Mifepristone would mean fewer women would need emergency care after using the medication to terminate a pregnancy. It is worth noting, of course, that serious side effects occur in less than 1% of such abortions, and there is no time frame for when the conservative Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals will issue a ruling, but regardless of which way that ruling goes, it is likely that we will see this case back in front of the Supreme Court. Disney announced on Friday that it was scrapping plans to build a new campus in Central Florida and relocate 2,000 employees from Southern California to work in digital technology, finance, and product development. The decision follows a year of attacks from Governor Ron DeSantis and the legislature because the company opposed a state law that bans classroom lessons on sexual orientation and gender identity in early grades. Disney filed a First Amendment lawsuit against DeSantis and other officials last month. Disney had planned to build the campus about 20 miles from the giant Walt Disney World theme park resort, but Josh Damero, chairman of the Parks Experiences and Products Division, 
said in a memo to employees that new leadership and changing business conditions prompted the company to abandon those plans. And like I hinted at before, Disney and DeSantis have engaged in a tug of war for more than a year now that has engulfed the GOP governor in criticism as he prepares to launch an expected presidential bid in the coming weeks. DeSantis' spokesperson, Jeremy Redfern, said that the state had been unsure whether the new Disney campus would come to fruition since it was announced nearly two years ago. Quote, given the company's financial straits, falling market cap, and a declining stock price, it is unsurprising that they would restructure their business operations and cancel unsuccessful ventures, Redfern said. Now, getting into rapid news, a father was killed and two children were injured when a grenade detonated in their Indiana home on Saturday, according to authorities. And with the date of default drawing closer, President Biden and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy are set to reignite debt ceiling negotiations later today. Now, getting into good news for today in an absolute miracle survival here as three children and an infant all survived over two weeks in the forest after their plane crashed, killing the three adults on board. And the children were all relatively young, aged 13, 11, and 4, along with an 11-month-old infant. And these children survived just on pure instinct alone. They managed to build very simple lodges out of sticks and other materials that they were able to find on the forest floor. They ate wild fruits as their food source, and they just managed to stick it out for over two weeks until Colombian military was finally able to locate them and rescue them and bring them back. Now, these children are members of an indigenous group in Colombia known as the Huitoto, and it is speculated that if they had been pretty much anyone else, if they hadn't been part of this group or part of one of these indigenous groups they might not have survived they had a lot of knowledge of the forest because of their background and because of their heritage and because of that they knew how to survive in these conditions or at least how to attempt to survive and they managed to do it it's an absolute miracle you love to see stories like this you know all four of them survived you know it wasn't even just like one of them managed to survive two of them no they all survived together and were returned home safely so this is an incredible story and a great way to head out of here on this monday morning i hope you guys enjoyed this episode make sure to come back tomorrow morning for an episode of eye on the ball don't miss out on that we will also be streaming this episode live on clubhouse later today at 2 p.m eastern standard time as we do with all the shows don't miss out on that either link to the house in the show notes but that is it for us you guys we'll see you here tomorrow morning have a great rest of your monday and a great start to your week bye guys 